This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and we have a returning guest to Standard Orbit. You know him as Lee Draw Star Trek 365. <laughs> he was back on Standard Orbit 236 and 237. Uh, Mr. Lee Sargent. What's up, Lee? Hey, how's it going? I wasn't quite expecting the radio voice to be kicked in uh, as soon as you started, so so that took me back for a second. So. <laughs> yes, I always talk this way on the microphone. That's and, it. <laughs> but Lee, you were back here on Standard Orbit, not to talk about your artwork, but you have another passion for video games, and that has sprung into you playing a lot of old video games, a lot of old Star Trek games. Yeah. Your YouTube channel is your Lee Jaws, but yeah, it's also... It, 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 took, it got taken over by the video games. <laughs> so, so what happened was um, a, a little while back, I discovered that I could, um, I could emulate games on my Mac because Macs are notoriously bad for gaming as it is. Uh, and what I wanted was I actually wanted to play a couple of old DOS games. So I sought out kind of how to play DOS games on the on the Mac and, and realized that there were there's you know huge libraries of, of, of video games out there type of thing. And I won't go into to how one comes across these type of things. Let's just <laughs> let's just say they show up one day and that's just that's where it is. Um, on the doorstep. Uh, on a USB stick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so so I, I kind of went back and I was, uh, because these games are all tiny compared to video games today, obviously, uh, so it was a matter of I can play a lot of these games really well on the Mac and I was really kind of getting into just DOS games and then I, I managed to work out how to, to emulate Super Nintendo and Nintendo, Sega or Sega, depending which country you're from, uh, <laughs> all these different kind of games. And so obviously Star Trek being a passion of mine, discovering that there was all these different Star Trek games that I'd either not played when they came out or just touched on. And so that's been part of it. I mean, I play, generally my rule right now is I'm generally focusing on movie tv show tie-ins and there's some awful ones uh so of course star trek does fall into that category which is exciting and and basically the title is you know lee plays old games poorly which is a pretty appropriate 
description of it all. Uh, and funny enough, Star Trek V, uh, the computer game, the PC DOS game, uh, was the one which really kind of kicked it off for me um, as far as playing kind of shorter videos as far as instead of kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to play King's Quest and it's going to take 16 hours, even though it takes everyone else one hour uh, because I'm just not very good at it. And uh, yeah, so I deviated over to Star Trek V and it was it was such a debacle playing it the first <laughs> time that it was a short video <laughs> of me getting extraordinarily angry at, at a wormhole effect in this game. So that's, that's really where we're kind of... I, and I focused a little bit on the Star Trek games because obviously that's where uh, a lot of people that I kind of follow and, and follow me are interested. So, yeah. So as far as Star Trek games go... Did you, before you got into all this yeah. uh, emulators and stuff, did you play Star Trek video yeah. games, quote unquote, back in the day? Yeah, big, big time. Um, so probably the one which stands out to me the most is probably Starfleet Academy um, because I was very excited about that because it was live footage of of the crew. Uh, so it was Shatner, Takei, um, and also Koenig. Uh I don't think anyone else appeared in that one. Um, it's been a while since i That was... It. Let's see. That was like ninety six or ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, it was right? after. Um, it was after Undiscovered Country. Yeah, so, and Generation. So that is the last live action footage yes. of William Shatner and George Takei and Walter Koenig as those characters. Although Shatner did appear as um, Captain Kirk to talk to Seth MacFarlane at, <laughs> at one of the award shows. So what? A, I, I remember that. What a deep cut, Lee. Well done. Well done. Yes. <laughs> So, so that's his last appearance. Um, but yeah, it, so so that was that was probably like that was pretty epic because it was really playing a movie, uh, and that was kind of neat, and I really enjoyed that. But before that, I'd played um, uh, you know, the Star Trek twenty fifth anniversary game. Uh, I played the original version of that, which came on floppy disk before the CD came out, and the CD came out, which actually had the voices, which was very exciting. Um, so the original version didn't have the voices; it actually had just the text. Um, and it wasn't until the CD ROMs came out that the the dialogue was actually read out by by the actors. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was Star Trek Generations. There was a Star Trek Generations game um, that came out, which was terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. It was quite mm-hmm. awful. Um, and Elite, uh, I think the other one which will probably stand out to me is probably Elite, is Elite Squad, the Voyager game, mm, uh, because that was yeah. on the Unreal Engine, I think. And um, yeah, really, really was into that for a while. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. So yeah, so that's I mean, I guess that's where I kind of come from from Star Trek games. Like obviously there was old the old um, oh I can't even remember what it's called, but it was the old kind of ASCII art. Um, Star Trek game back in the day. There was a DOS game where it was like Battleship or something like that. It was extraordinarily complicated and I wasn't, um, and I never really kind of, I think I was always disappointed when I loaded it because, you know, it it wasn't the Enterprise um, and you weren't really doing anything. So, yeah. Yeah. A couple of those games that you mentioned were definitely a big part of my childhood as well. I remember like the, the first, you know, home computer my family got uh, one of the first things we got on the because you know we were all Star Trek fans was we got the mm. 25th anniversary Star Trek game, and yeah, you awesome. know it was with all these all these floppy disks and stuff, and it was the original version, yeah, right? 
Uh, but then later on, when they, they came out with the the, uh, the CD-ROM version, it had all the voices of the actors, and it was so cool. Yeah. And I and I still say this: it's like what I know. There's like rights issues and all kinds of things. But in some, in some kind of ideal, perfect world, when they perfect 3D CGI animation, right? They could take all the voice tracks and and stories from these video games, the 25th anniversary and its sequel, Judgment Rights, and make you know that year five or the five year mission, right? Well, you could definitely do a you could definitely do a, an animated version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be that would be easy. Like you just like um I guess like Clone Wars style. Um, well, I, I would if they did animation, I would insist they do it in the style of the animated series. Just to, oh. just to keep. <laughs> I want at, Pete at Tribbles Lee. Yeah, at the very at the very least, uh, you know, at least it'll match the act, the voice acting, because I'm. I'm reasonably certain, if I remember correctly, that the voice acting is less than inspired. Um, that they're all there, definitely, but they're not kind of all there. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, much like the animated series itself, is like these are recorded in you know studios, yeah. independently across the country. So there's just people th- just reading scripts. I thought for some reason, and I may be completely wrong on this, and someone obviously will correct me on this, is all right. My understanding was DeForest Kelly may not have completed his work on it, and maybe Doohan had done an impression or something like that. I vaguely remember something along those lines. That is actually from the unreleased game, uh, Secret of Vulcan Fury. Ah, right. Uh, yes. Which okay. which was uh, inter interplay was yeah. the company was behind all these and they had great success with the 20th anniversary and judgment rights mm. and then starfleet academy and then uh star trek klingon as well yeah. which you know we talk about shatner uh takei and koenig but for star trek klingon they had christopher Plummer, yeah and, and, and david warner in a cameo it's like this is these this is legit yeah yeah, this yeah. Is cutting it and much in the style of um completely blanking on the name but malcolm mcdowell was in the movie mark hamill was in the video uh wing commander Wing Commander, very yeah. much in the same, uh, very much in the same aesthetic mm. and style of Wing Commander. We, it's that that nineties, early two thousands. Like we're gonna we're gonna mix live action with computers, and at the time, yeah. it's just like the coolest thing ever, right? Yeah. Um, but these these are you know, I, well, I it's on it's on screen, right? So it's canon, Lee. All these games. That's that's right. That's exactly right. Well, Vulcan's Fury was actually that trailer was on Starfleet Academy's mm. discs because it used to load before when you were loading Starfleet Academy the first time. And so it would tease you with this this ex- very exciting-looking uh, video game, which never came out, um, which was a, such a shame. So, yeah. Yes. Well, we, we, will, we will do an episode on that. Oh, I, think it's, I think it's worthy of an episode because I think it's uh, such an interesting... Um, it was such an interesting period where, you know, there was this exciting game coming on and we didn't really have the internet. So no one kind of, it just never showed up. It was like every year it was like, hang on, wasn't there supposed to be some sort of cool Star Trek <laughs> game coming? And it never showed right, could, up. Could, could you see these advertisements in magazines are coming in Christmas 97? Yeah, that's coming right. That's right. Spring they did 98. Yeah. Coming Christmas 98. And then eventually it just fades away. You're like, whoa, 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 what happened to that awesome game? Because yeah. it's the secret of Vulcan Fury. And we're teasing a, you know, a feature episode of Stan Irvin here because I, we have to do it now that we've mentioned it on air. Yeah. But uh, 
long story short, DC Fontana wrote a story for this video game. So, Mm. I mean, how much more legit can you get? And it was going to be about the Vulcans and the Romulans split and some super weapon, and there were going to be all these missions that you go on as crew members. And it was going to be, you know, uh, 3D CGI Mm. animation throughout the full game. And you you had all the voice actors back, and it, it was just the natural evolution from the... 25th anniversary and judgment rights, but now not so much a point and click adventure, but like an interactive world mm. adventure. And that became part of the problem because Interplay, like, oh yeah, we can do this. And then they realized, oh, we, we can't do this. And so there were <laughs> lots of behind the scenes issues behind it. Which is, um, which is a shame because again, I think you mentioned rights and stuff, but if, mm-hmm. if they had that, el- those elements still, someone could do a really fantastic job today. Um, Absolutely. So that'd be really, really cool. It's interesting, but, you but, mentioned... but the reason I got the reason I got Sorry. on that though, Lee, is to answer your question. Yes, is that is what you were talking about with the Forest Kelly? Like he had done yeah. some recordings, but that was near the end of his life because he only died, yeah. you know, like a year or two after that. So there, there was talk that he had done some, but then it got to the point where they had hired another actor to do kind of an impression to kind right. of fill in some gaps. But anyway, that was to answer your question there. I'm sorry. Well, I thought, you about I thought that up. was in 25th anniversary as well. I didn't think he did all of his lines in that either. Um, mm. But I may be wrong on that. So uh, because he was sick for quite a while. So mm-hmm. um, so there's a very good chance that that was possibly the case. It's interesting. So as we talk about kind of Vulcan's Fury, the one of the other games that I managed to get to play on the channel is um so we're we're big fans of star trek 5 obviously so we'll get that out of the way not as big a fan of the video game tie-in um because it is a, it is an abysmal mess which i'll go into in a second but i did get a chance to play the unreleased super nintendo game or maybe nintendo for that actually um at any rate the car the console game for star trek 5 and it's it was probably much more completed than than the Vulcan's Fury was, because as, as we understand it, Vulcan's Fury was very much um, stuck together with sticky tape and shadows. Right. And... Vulcan's Fury was pretty much the trailers we saw. Yeah, they, they, everyone <laughs> worked on the trailers, and that was about it. But, they made a really but, good trailer game. <laughs> yeah, but with Star Trek Five here, it, it exists. Yep. You, you've played yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, it, it. It is. It's to my knowledge, um, because I didn't get very far in the game, and <laughs> it's quite a frustrating game is probably the, the it's not well put together um when i was kind of playing it i was just like okay well this is kind of neat this is a cool tie-in but then you kind of watch you, you're playing it and it's just like this is not done well at all and i wonder whether or not at some point someone had sat down and said listen you've completely messed like everything's wrong like everything's <laughs> wrong um stop I, I, the line <laughs> yes yeah, like they look it's just nothing it, it nothing feels right um maybe this is this is just going to be a dog of a game if we release it um which does not stopped them in the past from releasing games so i don't know kind of what happened here whether or not it just fell through the last minute or whether or not it's you know not qa'd or something like that well let me ask you this what came first the nintendo game or the dos game I think they were both being developed at the same time. Okay, so, um, so, so one made it is, to market and one did not. Yeah, well, I think what happens often with these is that it's sent out to license and whoever's... And the same company might work on, this, on the games across platforms, um, but I don't think that was the case in this particular one. Um, I can't remember the company that actually was doing it. It's an actual company, though. It wasn't like a, a dodgy kind of out of their garage like it was for the special... 
wasn't for like the special effects for Star Trek Five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was impressed that they I guess that they they must have just called it and said this is not a good game. Um, <laughs> but the Star Trek Five PC game, it's an interesting beast because it's actually five games in one. So we have the bridge simulator aspect of the game. We have a for some reason they have recreated the sequence in Star Trek the Motion Picture in the wormhole as the first level. I have no idea <laughs> why that was a good idea or who thought that was a good idea. Basically the game starts halfway through the movie too. It's not like it's it's bizarre. It's like it tells the story it just jumps you straight to the end of the movie. Yeah, so to that point now everybody should go look up uh Lee's YouTube channel which is Lee Draw Stuff and he yeah, has Yeah, you can search the, it up the, that, yeah. Yeah, and you can see him you know, narrating him playing through the game yeah. uh, and give you a taste of it because these are, you know, unless you want to go through the whole emulator thing, right? These are hard to come by. So if you just want to yeah. watch someone else go through the frustrations, so you don't have to, that's why Lee plays these, plays these games. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, and I flick through them pretty quickly now. Um, so it's, it's a matter of, uh, someone said that they were kind of happy with it because it was, it, it gives you a flavor of the game without having to sit right. and watch the entire playthrough, uh, right. which is because that's just not going to happen. So, and it's interesting because the the wormhole thing just drove me a bit balmy because I was like, well, I need to get a joystick, obviously. It's a joystick-driven game, obviously. And then I found out because I, I managed to track down the, the manual, which says, no, there's no joystick. So it is, it is what it is. Um, well, you're absolutely right, though, because the game, it starts out with this, I guess, what these I, I, paintings? Because well, artworks. Animated yeah. <laughs> gifts. They're animated gifts. They're actually beautiful. They're, they are extraordinarily beautiful, if not a little bit, yes. a little bit um, uh, derivative. The God one, for instance, does not look like a God that we know in mm-hmm. that came out into the movie type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely there's shots from various parts of the film that possibly never made it to the end film. Uh, so this was definitely early on in the production that they got these photos. Uh, because there's a couple where uh, Kirk's interacting with Cybok or showing Cybok around, and there's also an inter- uh, a scene where the um, uh, where the three diplomats are, are interacting in a different way to the movie. So, and I think it might have just been a, a uh, alternate take of what we see. So that's kind of cool. But there's some of those shots are just beautiful. They're just these animated gifs, and they literally are just animated gifs. Uh, that's what the game loads, and and you're kind of looking at the storyline going underneath, and there's like lights blinking and stuff like that. And all it is mm-hmm. is just an animated gif, and not a very big one, um, which is really quite impressive. Uh, the second game I think is um, it's a Klingon minefield. Which is interesting again because there was no such thing in the in the movie, and they've just kind of plucked that from nowhere um, from an Enterprise episode, which hadn't been filmed yet. So <laughs> that's kind of weird too, because it's a kind of again, it's a weird kind of. Um, so I went back and I re-recorded that to play that. But by the way, I, I don't know. By the way, I don't know what the start screen is on that one, but but from what for, based off your videos for the start screen, uh, it is a a screen cap digitized, of course, of Star Trek Three. Where the Enterprise is leaving space dock, but they just yes. remove yes. the Excelsior. I'm like, that. I, I know that shot. That's not from Star Trek. Yeah, Black. no, so no, not at all. They're taking images from Star Trek Three, yes. storylines from Star Trek One. They're just yep. all over the place. But this, but this is, I will give them credit here because what what is a what is a common criticism of tie-in video games? Like, 
this has nothing to do with the, what you just made this garbage up, right? But at least they're just taking stuff from other Star Treks. So well, yeah, it's themed, at least. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, th- like, it's not unseen. Like, when you kind of come into play it, it's like, oh, okay. So even with the sensor part, the sensor game, or the minefield game, the mines kind of look like the mines that we're used to in, in original Star Trek. So they kind of look like Nomad or something like that. So that's kind of neat that there's some sort of aesthetic there. Um, what- and the, the, the uh, I guess the... What would you call them? The communication screens between the crew members and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all... pretty good-looking pictures. Like obviously based off headshots or publicity photos of the cast of Star Trek Five. So yeah, like, yeah. this is this is movie-specific stuff. So I want to point that out because it's not just some weird digital like. Well, no, 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 no. They've digitally scanned like Spock's particulars is, is quite a famous mm-hmm. um, publicity shot of him, and that's what they're using. Uh, but what's kind of interesting about the game also is that it doesn't actually force you to play through the game. It does kind of just, it, it, it almost throws its hands up at the start of the game. So when you're actually in the DOS prompt, it will say, where do you want to start? And you can start from whichever point you wish. Um, so if you don't want to play the wormhole part again, you can jump to the the minefield. And then the next one after that is some sort of hand-to-hand combat thing. I can't get that to work. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a bit devastated because I, it, cause all, of the, all of the bridge simulation stuff is so poorly done that I can't imagine <laughs> what a fight scene would look like in this game. So I, I really want to see it. I want to point out the, the bridge simulator, right? We call it that... And you're never because the the cool thing about the 20th anniversary and Judgment Rights games mm. was you have a a master shot of the bridge and it's just a wide shot, but you see everybody at their station. You can click on things and go yeah. places and 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 that kind of thing. You never get that in the Star no. Trek Five game. You you just, you have presumably presumably what you're what you're looking at is a console. Yeah, and you're and you're communicating to the different cruise members, and there are you know like gauges of you know shields and et cetera. Yeah, yeah et cetera. all that stuff's there, and the, and the view screen's there, um, so you can kind of see that, but it's a very small part of the screen, which is. Interesting. I imagine that it's the view is like basically what Spock sees through his. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like fighter. that, <laughs> and, and you I hit see. the um, the F keys, and that'll get you through. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it also when you hit the F key, the bosun whistle goes, and it just burns your ear drums out if you've got headphones on so <laughs> for every single one of them which is interesting and, and i did like when when you fail in your mission uh, either through the wormhole or whatever right the enterprise yeah. is destroyed and you get this angled shot and it's like on fire yeah. in space so. it's 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 actually a really nice it's actually a nice shot it's a nice original shot so whoever mm-hmm. did it did it properly type of thing did, did their own kind of design it's a little bit reminiscent of star trek 6 because there's like a uh, a burn mark in, in a similar place in the mm-hmm. in the hole, but there's also yeah lightning coming out of the um, the cells and stuff like that. So, so clearly, that's a good point. Uh, clearly, ILM researching oh, special yeah. effects for Star Trek Six played through the Star Trek Five game, and got some inspiration. Clearly. I don't know if they played through it. They may have. Um, <laughs> they may have just pulled the game apart, looked at the animated gifs, uh, which I which I would completely endorse. Interesting thing about the game as well is that Will Wheaton is actually credited in the opening credits. Uh, as a special thank you so he along with um everyone else you'd expect to be there but it's also will wheaton who would have been i i would suspect what 15 
thereabouts at that yeah, stage. Yeah, it, it is late teens. So I get was he? I guess he was as big a computer genius as Wesley Crusher if he assisted in. Well, I, I'd this love game. to know what the story is behind that because I mean, although whether or not he wants to kind of admit to any of it uh, would be interesting because I, I probably, considering his history with um, Wesley Crusher, I probably. I probably wouldn't well, it's a, put my hand up and say, yeah, I was part of that too. <laughs> it, it's a special thanks. Is that correct? Yes. So that could mean anything. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. They literally, he may have tested it. He may have been one of the testers yeah. for it back then. And I don't know. Well, you're, you're a in, teenage boy. You're our target audience. Try this yeah. out. Let us know what you and think. Look, and, and maybe in, in, what's that, 89? Maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe that was impressive. Um, yeah. I don't believe it was. <laughs> No, I mean, this because is very... Because 25th anniversary came out before that. I yeah, think. The, well, no, actually, 25th anniversary was 91. Oh, really? So, but but it feels like, I mean, okay. if you look at this game, and you look at 25th anniversary, it feels like 10 years later. No, just it the does, way, yeah, Just 100%. the interactions here, but there, there is no, no. Uh, at least in, in, the, in the DOS parts of the games that you've mm. been able to play, there is no, like... 3D world of any kind, really. Right. You're you're looking at screens. Oh, and... you're very much stuck in in your seat. Yeah, and that's why I kind of thought. Uh, that's why I'm kind of I am keen to kind of try and get it to work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, and I might try and run it on another computer uh, to try and get the the combat working because I'd love to see what it's like when Kirk and etc. get out of their seats and walk around <laughs> uh, and see kind of what the effect is. But I'm I'm pretty certain it's it's going to be awful. Uh, well, so and, that that, was, and that's what led you to the to the Nintendo game, right? To be able, to yeah, yeah, game. yeah. So, so I was doing research into the game because I was just I, I didn't want to be beaten by it, and uh, and and I stumbled upon someone had a copy of the ROM for the Star Trek V Nintendo game, and I was like, I didn't I, what? Hang on a second, I didn't even know this <laughs> thing existed, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't exist. It did not. It was not released, and so you play that, and it's a pla- it's a platform game. Um, your opening sequence is you on the way to Paradise City and basically you've got Cybox followers trying to stop you. Speaking of getting into the Star Trek V game uh, for the Nintendo, the unreleased one, I did notice a difference between the beginnings. And again, I haven't played these myself. I'm just basing this off of your videos you made. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the DOS game had kind of like a slower simpler, less orchestrated version of the Jerry Goldsmith music. Yeah. Uh, but the Nintendo game was spot on. It was it was classic 8-bit versions yeah. of music. And, th- and that's what, you know, a lot of these old video games, you know, they were limited in obviously their capacity. But when they nailed the songs, it was very impressive. It wasn't just some generic space adventure music fill in the blank right this was the jerry goldsmith's music for Star Trek. yeah yeah no it's it's properly done it it was all properly done for it um now the thing was i I don't think you i think you must i think you might have a screenshot of it but um the story is slightly different in the um nintendo version (laughs) the the story the story is slightly different than what we do yes so i i've pulled up your uh uh your video here and i'm looking at the slide and let me just let me just read y'all the opening narration or not narration the opening text uh, of the game for the Nintendo version of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Cybok, Spock's former classmate at the Valken School of Thought, <laughs> has used his mind-melding powers to cause the settlers on the planet Nimbus to join his force. A Vulcan who can show emotions, he is taking control of paradise. That is your opening paragraph for Star yeah. Trek V. This is this is why I think that the the games were really early on in the in the process. I, I've got a feeling that 
when they were um they were, when they were filming that this was all going on at the same time and so every change that went on didn't necessarily make it through <laughs> but um yeah that's that's what i'm kind of thinking with the with uh, star trek 5's nintendo game because it must have been i don't know shot in the head at some stage they they must have bothered updating that must have been i'm hoping that was just um text that was uh, like um holding text i'm hoping that they were just kind of putting stuff there just for the sake of it yeah that's uh they trying maybe to keep the secret that he yeah. was Spock's brother. Right? There's a lot of things like that misinformation in early marketing materials, but that's uh, cla- and then of course the classic misspellings of, of Falcon. Yes, well that is true. Uh, and the game itself, I mean, it launches straight into your um, you're on the approach to um, Paradise City, and it's this horrible side-scrolling thing where you've, you're being shot at by Cybox followers, and they've also got uh, what looks like mortars. Uh, firing at you quite close range, I might add, <laughs> um, and it's just yeah, it's not a good game. It, it, it's not a, it's not a, it, it's it's one of these games where I played it for about. So for the videos, I tend to play for maybe ten minutes or so. I don't, and I I try to play them fresh. Like I don't try and and go in and and you know try and get good at it first and then jump on the video mm-hmm. and, and go oh my lord i'm so good at this game i can't believe it um i must be <laughs> so talented uh no instead i like to go in there and, and go i have no idea what any of these buttons are and i actually have a a proper controller for both i have the nintendo the original nintendo and the super nintendo controllers that connects to my system so i can play mm-hmm. as intended as they were meant to be played not not clicking on your keyboard letters and arrows yeah because i was playing on a playstation controller yeah well when they say say those things it's like oh, okay that doesn't correlate with what i've got so yeah so some of, some of the other differences between the dos game and the uh, nintendo game for star trek 5 is obviously they're all different you know, uh, kinds of games. Like you said, there's the minefield and the wormhole and stuff. Uh, this one does seem a little bit more like a generic side scroller. Uh, this particular yeah. adventure, you know, on, on the planet, you're shooting a phaser. I yeah. will say the guys you fight actually do look like Cybox uh, followers. So good credit there for authenticity. Yeah. But as much as we were praising the, uh, the uh, character uh, avatars, headshots from from the dos game uh, i think yeah. that i think it's equal as good as it is in that game that's as bad as it is in this game because i yeah. really and, and it looks like you couldn't either i really couldn't tell some of these crew members apart i'm like is that sulu is that bones i really can't tell you you, you start off with sulu and i thought it was i thought it was dr mccoy at first um <laughs> and so it was beaming down with dr mccoy and i was like oh okay well that's odd but like i don't know why we wouldn't be big why it wouldn't be Kirk, and um, then he dies, and it said, and then it, he gets beamed back up to the ship, and Doctor McCoy rejuvenates Sulu. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like when, when you run out of life, they beam you back up to the ship. I actually yeah. have it have it paused here. Sulu has exhausted all his physical energy. It has been <laughs> replenished by Doctor McCoy's medical expertise. He is able to continue his assignment, and then you literally see him beam back down into this. I guess what's supposed to be the transporter? It's it's a <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It doesn't look anything like it. I think what happened was basically Doctor McCoy gave Sulu a Gatorade and said, "Get back out there, son." Um, <laughs> that's what I feel. That that's what his expertise was was just give him a bit of a pep talk, give him some Gatorade, you know, get some gets get some some water into him, maybe a slice of orange. I don't know. 
getting back down on the planet, on the desert planet and run back towards the uh, Paradise City, uh, dodging, as I say, these, these uh, mortars, which are just inconveniently set up for me to mm-hmm. jump over. It's, it's not a great game. <laughs> it looks no, terrible. No. And it doesn't play well. No, it does not seem like it would. I, I will say there's another visual reference to the motion picture. And it's much like the DOS game had the wormhole. When the Enterprise goes to warp in the uh, NES game, it looks just like the end of motion mm. picture where it has like kind of the rainbow tunnel that yes. that it starts before it goes to warp, which is, I don't know, maybe that was intentional, maybe it wasn't. I, I would imagine, again, that it was probably a early on in the movie without special effects at that stage. And I, I suspect that they um, said, oh, look, what does a warp look like? And they showed them next, uh, showed them uh, um, the motion picture and they went, okay, we'll just go with that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually a shame because I think with a lot more polish, the game could have been quite fun. Um, so a lot of the collision stuff's not crash hot. Um, so when they shoot at you, it's hard to tell if you're dodging a bullet or not, um, <laughs> because it'll just hit you randomly. Um, it, I just think that it, it, it's a shame that I kind of go back and I just, I don't play Star Trek online. I know a lot of people love Star Trek online. Um, it's not a game that I've kind of gotten into and I probably will never get into it, I suspect. But up until this stage, I just, I kind of play through a game like, um, I'm just trying to think of, of, of like an epic game that I've played through, like Far Cry or something like that. I would love to see an epic Star Trek game that you got to play through like a movie, like Uncharted or or any of those kind of, you know, basically they're movies that you're playing through. And I just don't feel that we've ever captured that in Star Trek. I know that they wanted to for the Star Trek 2009 game, uh, which wasn't didn't come out in 2009. I think it came out in when at the same time as Into Darkness, maybe. Yeah, it was like kind of a tie-in, but slightly before Into Darkness, right? Yeah, featuring the Gorn. Gorn from another galaxy, apparently. Yeah. A different kind of Gorn, yes. And it was just, it was a miserable affair. Like, I had that (laughs) on the Sony PlayStation, and it was an absolute miserable affair. So it was nice that they were kind of keeping within the, trying to keep within the vein of of previous Star Trek games by not making it good. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a shame because, you know, that... Like the the whole Kelvin timeline universe, right? I mean, let's let's be honest. It's, I think I think it's over now, Lee. I think we can say that with pretty sure confidence. I got a sneaking suspicion that it's over. <laughs> so I mean, you have you have the three movies, right? And then you have yeah. all the comic books. Which, by the way, I love the IDW comic books that tie in mm. because it's like all the episodic stuff that we wanted to see, you know, yeah. from the movies. Uh, yeah. And then you get a lot more time to explore the characters, things like that. But the the O nine game, as we've mentioned a couple of times here, it's like become more important now. Much like we're talking about the older games with the voice cast and last on screen appearances of mm. these actors as the characters, this is one of the few times we get the Kelvin timeline cast, you know, performing their roles. Uh, and yeah. and it's become like I never bought that game, but now I'm like, well, maybe I should buy it just to have it. No, kind of you know, like no. on my shelf. No, okay. No. <laughs> Don't, don't buy it. It's awful. Don't do it. Don't be fooled. I, I, I can't. I don't even remember how many days I played it for, mm-hmm. but I um, I bought it. I, I when it first came out, I played it for like two or three days, and I went, "What is going on? Am I, am I missing something? Is is just I'm not a good player." So, 
and then I checked on the reviews online and everyone agreed that it was not a good game and mm. we were all correct no one this was none of this was jury, no none of this was 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 jury rigged or anything like that this is just a bad game and, and you find out the story behind it it was just it was yeah it was just mishandled all, all the way uh, which is a shame um, because as I say, I just, I want to see a game like Tomb Raider or like, um, you know, Uncharted or any of those kind of long form games. So you get 12 hours of, of movie, basically of you playing the movie out. And I would love to get something like that with the Star Trek universe. Why do you think we have it? I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. Movie tie-ins. I don't understand why movie tie No one wants to invest in a movie tie-in. tie-in. They, they want a, a cheap um, cash return. Mm-hmm. So the Uncharted games and the and the oh okay yeah no sorry Mass Effect, Mass Effect is your is my is one of my favorite science fiction universes, absolutely one of my favorite science fiction universes, and I have been moved by every single one of the games. Um, yes, I wasn't as big a fan of of Mass Effect three, uh, but it doesn't matter. It still moved me and it's still kind of, I care about the characters and I want to know more about them. And I love that I get to spend time in that universe. And whenever I played through one of those games, I just thought, God, it would be so good if this was a Star Trek game. Hmm. That the same, and, I, and to my understanding is, and my understanding and, and, and is that I, I don't play it, but Star Trek Online does apparently have like a lot of that element to it. But I'm talking about a standalone kind of movie game um, that I really would like. You know, I just the, the what a great way of bringing D Space Nine's um, cast back. Um, you've got the Kelvin universe, so you could still. I mean, they're probably too expensive. Chris Pine's probably a little bit expensive now. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's had a little bit of success. He's he's a, he's a successful Chris in Hollywood, <laughs> and as we know, successful Chris's in Hollywood are, are somewhat expensive. Um, but yeah, I just I love the idea of kind of like the video game market is such a big market that we really could be telling great stories from Star Trek in that universe, and you could be crossing over. You know, um, Michael Dorn will come back and do a do a video game. Michael Dorn will come back and do anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like Michael Dorn, you you could say to him, and I've said this on other podcasts, so I won't I won't whip on him too long um but it's literally like uh michael dawn and he's already said yes he doesn't know what you're going to say but he was already said yes to it because he knows he was going to say yes so but i mean in fairness uh the 25th anniversary game which we've talked about briefly that is an exceptional game um it stands up today i've got that on i highly recommend if you have never played it you can go to gog.com and buy it really cheap and it will run on whatever you got um, which is really exciting, and it's got all the dialogue and stuff like that. So it is a really interesting way of experiencing new stories because they're shot the same way that the episodes. So every episode, every part of the game opens with the Enterprise sailing past a planet, and the titles come up as they right. would have in original Star Trek. It's really you know, quite it, sweet. It does. It really does. Those games that that and Judgment Rights really it. do capture the the episodic nature and just the flavor. Of the original series and some and, of the humor, yeah, the interplay between Spock and McCoy, right? Yes, yes, massively. And you're shooting um, Klingons at one stage, and they're not real Klingons; they're Android Klingons, and and you're taking one of their hands, and it's all there's oh, all these yes. shenanigans going on. <laughs> um, and you're just waiting for the, 
He's just waiting for some of the, the flute music to kick in from original Star Trek because it's, it's, it's the shenanigans music of that time. Um, it's, it is such an exceptional game. When If you go to the wrong sector, though, you get attacked by fill-in-the-blank aliens. You have the Klingons, the Romulans, or the uh, Atlassi. Yeah, that's right. Who were invented for the game. They're like these space pirates, and they're like yes. one of the main... Uh, yes. Enemies and I actually, actually, I I really enjoyed their ship design. It reminded me of the uh, the Maquis mm. attack ship from the end of Next Gen, uh, which got used a lot yeah. as alien ships on Deep Space Nine. It had this kind of like I don't look kind of like a just kind of like a like a beetle or something. The ships and I don't know, for it, it's yeah, like yeah. It, it was new, but it but it fit in the TOS well, world. It, it, it was it was world building. It yeah. was definitely world building. They they definitely did. Um, it, 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 yeah, I, I, it just fit. It fit everything, which was cool. And you saw other starships as well. You saw basically a pre-refit Miranda class ship that just with the older nacelles. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That that was the cool thing is that the design aesthetic for the entire game was original series, and and I think that was the cool thing about it was that um, they didn't feel like that because in the digital world they could have done whatever they wanted. Right. They, they didn't need to, you know, they didn't need to kind of follow that, just the 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 limited design, the limitations of design of, of original Star Trek. Uh, yet they did. They followed them to a T and it looks amazing for it. And it completely, you completely buy it as part of the, of that universe. And I, I'd argue, I, I'd actually argue, I think that should, that should be considered canon. I think it should be part of it. I do. I think so as well. Because if you think about it, like this is you have the entire original cast reprising their yeah. roles, and it's in a interactive format, which is on a screen, right? Because what, what what's the rule of Star Trek yeah. fans? If it's on screen, it's canon. Well, it's on screen. Oh, it's a video game. I, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like what a more. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But what's the what's the rules? Is because like, but also the animated series is a is a is a. Yeah, they don't know whether or not the animated series is canon. Well, or not. see, it's I like, I, I consider I've always considered it canon. Where where do you fall on it? I do too. Okay. Yeah, I no, I do. I think I think giant tribbles. Um, I'm, I'm Satan. Yeah, I'm all, I'm giant, down with it. Giant tribbles, giant Spock. <laughs> yeah, giant Spock, Satan. Um, uh, belt buckles that that protect you from everything. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm down with all of that. I feel that 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 is all. Canada's Kirk and Spock turning into amphibians for a few days and turning back. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's brilliant. good enough for Voyager, it's good enough for those guys. Right. I mean, what, what, t- show me an episode of the animated series that's absurd. I will show you one equally absurd, if not more so, than Voyager. But this is the thing. If you, if you start getting into kind of those kind of arguments where it's like, I, oh, yeah, it's not like they haven't had absurd episodes of other season, of mm. series later on. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely down with the animated series and I'm completely down with, um, cause there was also a follow-up to this judgment rights, mm-hmm. which was the, um, follow-up to the game, which I haven't actually played judgment rights. Trelane comes back at that one and he's voiced by William Campbell instead of being obsessed with like the, the Napoleonic war era. Uh, he's obsessed with world war one. So at some point he's chasing the crew in like a biplane, I believe like, like the red Baron. Oh really? See, that's cool because like I haven't played that yet. I I do intend on playing it at some stage because I've got it. I bought I bought a copy of it so that I can play it. Um, and I'm really kind of it's one of those things where I'm just I, I want to you know have some leave from work and just sit and and really enjoy it because it's a whole new Star Trek experience again. That probably won't necessarily feature it as for the the lols mm-hmm. on, on on YouTube uh, because I, I it would be something that I'd like to, a very personal kind of thing to, to play that and to play new mm-hmm. Star Trek. 
with the voices and everything. Um, I, the voices are in Judgment Rights. Is that correct? Yeah, they are both in both oh, games. That's awesome. And that's to, to kind of wrap back around to what, what we were talking about. I That's why I would consider them, you know, year four and five or of the five-year mission. Yeah, Mix in the yeah. animated series and these video games as you will. But we have we have enough to complete the five-year mission out there, guys. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah, no, and again, you could, as we said at the start of the podcast, you could easily take the dialogue from those episodes from those games and turn them into some sort of like star wars clones style mm-hmm. animation it doesn't have to be star wars clones specifically animation but something of high caliber please don't please don't make it crappy caliber <laughs> all right lee well thank you so much for coming on to standard orbit again and talking some video games with me this time video games is such a fun untapped but uh, resource of conversation for us here and talking about video games past, present, and future. So fun. If people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Thanks very much for having me on again. Uh, hopefully I didn't talk as much as I did last time. If you go to leadrawstuff.com, uh, that's probably my hub where you can kind of go on to see where else I'm doing type of thing, whatever malarkey I'm doing. A lot of fun talking about Star Trek video games. So yeah, thanks very much. All right, well, Star Trek video games aren't the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. Okay, that's excellent. And it'll be interesting to see how we interpreted the topic because I know I may have interpreted it uh, maybe a little differently than others did. We'll see. Is this another time travel thing? No, I was going to say no time travel for me as long as... Jellico doesn't come into this. Sure. Okay. So we'll make okay. that deal then. Awesome. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Literary treks. And, you know, the, the stakes are, are really big. You know, we'll, we'll get there. But, you know, this Borg ship threatens Earth and all this kind of stuff. And it just feels like it, it's, it's a lot of really comic booky, over-the-top stuff doesn't quite fit right with the novel that came before it and the novel that came after it, if that makes sense. (laughs) Primitive Culture, a look at history and culture through Star Trek. And Next Gen Arriving was was this sort of, wow, wow, this looks incredible. I know when we look at sort of first season Next Gen now, what we're going is, wow, this is really slow and stagey. But in fact, it was it was incredible. It was absolutely um, game-changing. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Only because I was watching little bits of Emissary recently is that he would see himself wearing that awful purple swimsuit and think, oh, God, I can't wear that. <laughs> oh, my every, gosh. Every time I see it, I'm like, whoa, I'm really glad I'm not wearing 24th century clothing. If you wanted me to murder an entire society, fine. <laughs> but I'm not wearing that bathing suit. Too revealing. Oh. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> that's funny. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MB3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. 
If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm slash contact and look at the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals, our different milestone contribution levels, along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions, your help, your support, they mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. As for me... You can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On To Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville, with one S. I'm also the co-host of Franchise Fatigue, a podcast where we look at sequels, remakes, movie franchises, and when a franchise gets fatigued. You can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth, part of the United Federation of Podcasts. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>